Let me encourage you, if you would, to go ahead and grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of 2 Peter, which is right near the end of the story, right near the back of the Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we, we'd love for you to grab one that's in the back of the seats there in front of you so that you can follow along with us and see for yourself what the Word of God is saying during this time. And I do want to say to those of you who are joining us online this morning, we are going to be observing the Lord's Supper at the conclusion of this message. And so you may want to go ahead and take a moment and just grab some of the things that you have in your house that, that you can use to represent the elements. And if you would like to participate in that time with us that will come a little later in the service. Second Peter chapter 3. I also just want to say before we turn our attention though to, to the Word of God this morning. Next Saturday, uh, we, we're going to have a, a men's breakfast here at Shades. All guys are invited, regardless age, season of life, everyone is invited. I would encourage you, fellas, if you're coming to bring somebody with you, because not only are we going to have a breakfast, and I, I'm going to share uh, a, a message next Saturday, but we also are going to let you know some things that are happening in this new semester for men's ministry. And so we'd love for you to join us next Saturday morning. You can just go online to find out more information and to register there. Now, let's look at what this passage of Scripture says as we, we are bringing this series, Warning and Hope, to, to a conclusion here this morning. And, and we want to ask the question today, as we've been asking each week throughout this series, are we prepared for the day of the Lord? Are we prepared for, for the day of the Lord when, when Christ returns, when all stand before the Lord to give an account of, of the way that we have lived? Will we be in that day ready to stand before the Lord? The Word of God makes it very clear how we can be ready. Peter is going to show us what it means to be ready. But you may have the question, when is that day going to come? We talked about that some last week. How much longer is it going to be before that day occurs? And in these verses that we're considering this morning, the Word of God gives us some great insight that we need to hear as we think about or wonder about timing. So let's listen to what the Word of God says. I'd like to invite you to stand with me as I read these opening verses to get us started. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 10 is where we'll begin. And we stand so that we can be reminded all around the room that the Word of God is the foundation for the people of God. We stand on the Word of God. What God says is right and good and true. Listen to the Word of the Lord. Through the Apostle Peter, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. It says this, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Are we ready for that day? As we consider the word of God this morning together, 
Let's go before the Lord before we're seated. And let's just invite the Lord to speak into our lives what we need to hear. Would you pray with me as we invite the Lord to move among us? Heavenly Father, we recognize that when we gather in the name of Jesus, you are at work in our midst. And so I pray, Lord God, that as we turn our attention to you and as your word is laid before us today, that the promises of your word would take root in our lives, that this word would not return void, but that it would bear fruit among us in the power of your spirit. I pray that we would see what we need to see. I pray that we would hear what you know we need to hear on this day in the midst of the circumstances we are navigating in life. We need to hear your word. So I pray that you'd have your way among us, that you would be glorified during this time, and that your word would take root in our lives, that we would not be the same. We lay this before you in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated as we continue. There's a picture that I have had framed for many years now, and it's a picture I keep in my office. It's one of my favorite pictures as a father. I want to show you the picture that I'm referencing. It's, it's a picture of me as a, as a much younger dad. And this is our oldest daughter, McKenna, when she was just a toddler. And this was one of the first weddings that I officiated as a young pastor. And, and we went as a family to this wedding. And then the reception was there at the church. And, and they were going to be blowing bubbles for the bride and the groom as they left the reception. And so there I am blowing bubbles for, for my young daughter as she looks up at the bubbles and looks up at dad. It's, it's a memory that I love. And it seems like in some ways that that was just yesterday. And then this week we just moved her into her college dorm. And now I find myself looking at other parents with toddlers and saying the things that old people used to say to me. It goes so fast, right? And yet I can remember those days when our kids were toddlers thinking, when in the world are these diapers going to end? And when will I be able to get into my car without car seats? And when will that day come when we can finally go on a date night without having to line up babysitters? Seemed like that season was taking forever, was going to last forever. And I remember we had someone wiser than us say to us during that time, when we had toddlers in our house, the days feel long, but the years are so short. And I feel like we are experiencing that as a family right now. Yes, the days can feel so long and those seasons that we're in feel like they're never going to end. But at the same time, it's moving by so quickly, so fast. Isn't it true that the way we view time and the, the way we view the speed with which time passes is all about our perspective? There are those seasons where it seems like we will never get out of this. It's lasting forever. When is it going to change? When will something be different? And then there is the perspective that we sometimes have, man, 
That went by so quick. The word of God is telling us here through the apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3 that God does not view time the way you and I view time. The perspective that God has is a very different perspective than you and I have as it relates to time and the speed at which time appears to be passing by. Listen again to what the word of God says. Peter wants this to be very clearly heard in this letter. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved. Verse 8 of 2 Peter 3, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. The word of God is showing us God's perspective is not limited by time and space and seasons the way ours is. God sees everything from beginning to end. This is hard for us to comprehend. He has always been. He will always be. He, he exists outside the limitations of time and space and inside time and space at the same time. He sees in ways that we cannot see. And his plan is unfolding in his perfect timing, even when we can't understand how it's going down. The prophet Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 55, as he calls with this invitation to seek the Lord, verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Do you see that there's a warning and a hope there? This is so beautiful. Isaiah is saying, listen, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Right now, there is that opportunity. There is that invitation. But at some point, it will be too late. Are you ready? And then there's the hope that says, if you turn to the Lord, there is compassion. If you turn to the Lord, he will abundantly pardon. There is grace. That is incredibly good news. There's warning and there is hope. And then Isaiah says, don't lose sight of the fact that God sees very differently than you and I see. He's not limited as we are. As the scripture says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God sees very differently than you and I see. He has an eternal plan and purpose from beginning to end. And it may seem like there is a delay. It may seem like this is moving really slow. It may seem like when in the world is he ever going to return and come through on his promise and what he has said from our perspective. But the scripture is reminding us it's actually a gift God does not see as we see. And what may seem slow moving 
is actually the grace of God. It's actually the patience of God. It's actually God's heart that more would turn to him in repentance. That's what Peter is talking about in 2 Peter 3. God's heart is that more would turn to him. God is not out to get you. God is not saying, I want more to perish. No, God is saying, I desire that more would turn to me in repentance. And so his, his delay, so to speak, is actually his patience. Inviting more people to receive the gift of salvation by grace through faith in what Christ has done. And God sometimes uses things and circumstances and ways that we may not intuitively use because God can see what we cannot see. And he knows what we struggle to comprehend. So the question does need to be asked, though, why is Peter making this point that Isaiah also points to, that, that God sees very differently, that his perspective of time is very different than ours. Why is Peter saying, hey, beloved, you need to understand this. For the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like one day. Well, as you look back in 2 Peter 3, go up a few verses to verses 3 and 4, there is a warning. Peter says, this is what's going to happen in the last days. If you've been with us in this series, we've talked about the last days that lead up to the day of the Lord when Christ returns. What are the last days? Well, the last days are the time period between the ascension of Christ into heaven after the resurrection and the day when he returns. So we've said throughout this series, I'll say it again, we are living in the last days right now. We are in that time between the ascension of Christ into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, and the day when he will return at the day of the Lord. And Peter says you need to understand something's going to happen during these last days. Look at what it is. 2 Peter 3, beginning in verse 3, knowing this first of all, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter is saying, okay, in this period of the last days, there will be scoffers that will hear the people of God talking about the day of the Lord or talking about the return of Christ. There, there will be scoffers that will hear religious people saying, we, we want to be prepared for the return of the Messiah. We want to be prepared for the return uh, of, of Jesus. And they, they will say, why in the world are you thinking about this? Why are you focusing on this? He hasn't come back yet. Why, why do you think he's going to come soon? I mean, that could certainly be said today. It was 2,000 years ago that Christ ascended into heaven. And so you, you could say, hey, it's been 2,000 years. If he hasn't come back yet, why do you think he's going to come back soon or even at all? Maybe you've heard people say stuff like that. Maybe you've wondered that yourself. And so Peter, addressing the scoffer, that's living on their timeline. It says with sinful desires, wanting things to happen when they want them to happen. Peter's saying, hold on. Let's step back 
And let's be reminded that our God is so much bigger than we are. And our God sees so much more than we see. And for our God, one day as if, as if it's a thousand years and a thousand years as if it's one day. So 2,000 years may feel like a long time to you and me. But from God's perspective, who sees all beginning to end, it's like two days. And the reason why the day of the Lord has yet to occur, Peter says... It's because God desires that more would turn to him every day between now and the day of the Lord. It's a gift of grace. Every day between now and the day of the Lord, it's a gift of God's patience, desiring that more would turn to him. Peter is very intentional in what he is saying. We have a limited perspective, but God sees all and knows all, and his timing is perfect. I love the way the Apostle Paul talks about this, this same idea in his letter to the church in Galatia. If you would turn real quickly to Galatians chapter 4, we see the, the Apostle Paul addressing the way God views time here as it relates to the coming of Christ and what Christ has done for us through the cross. It says this in Galatians 4, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. When the fullness of time had come. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying... In God's perfect timing, with his perfect perspective that sees all time and space from the beginning to the end, Christ came as the Savior of the world when he came to live a perfect and sinless life, to offer that perfect and sinless life as the only worthy sacrifice of sin at the cross so that all who call on the name of the Lord can be saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. God's timing was perfect in the fullness of time. God used all of the events leading up to the birth of Jesus to usher in this perfectly timed gift of the Messiah. And in the same way, we could say in the fullness of time, Christ will come again. In God's perfect timing, Christ will come to judge the living and the dead and to gather all of his followers, all who are children of God, who have received adoption into his family by grace through faith to come home with him once and for all. What an incredible thing to consider. And again, we're reminded as the apostle Peter has laid before us in 2 Peter 3, every day that happens before that day is a gift of grace and mercy. God demonstrating his patience, desiring that more and more would turn to him and acknowledge their need for the Savior. We go back to 2 Peter 3, verse 10. And we see something that we 
saw last week as well in 1 Thessalonians 5 and Matthew 24. It's this language about the thief coming. It says this, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. That language, like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord will occur at a time when we don't know it's going to occur. Remember what we saw last week in 1 Thessalonians 5. In Matthew chapter 24. The scripture says, hey, if you knew the day that the thief would come, you would be living and behaving very differently, expecting that thief. But you don't know when the thief is going to come, so you better be prepared for whenever that day occurs. And here we see again that language of the thief. And we are reminded what the word of God reveals, that those who are in Christ will be prepared for that day. Even though they don't know when that day will occur, they will be prepared for that day. Not because of what they have done, but because they have received the finished work of Christ at the cross. Those who have trusted in Jesus by grace through faith will be ready. But please hear this because this is where Peter goes. Beginning in verse 10. Those who have not trusted in Christ by grace, through faith, will have nowhere to hide. Verse 10 says, the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done on it will be Exposed. That seems like some strange language. What does it mean that the heavens are going to burn up? Well, this is the, the scripture's way of, of referring to the cosmos, to, to the stars, to the galaxy, to the solar system. This is the, the word of God saying you literally will have nowhere to hide. When the day of the Lord comes, fire will come swiftly. The judgment of God will fall. All will be exposed and there is nowhere to hide. You can't get in a rocket with Bezos and shoot up to space. We need to hear this. The day of the Lord will bring the judgment of God to all of creation. Will we be ready? Will we be prepared? Those who are in Christ will be found worthy because when they are judged, they will not be judged for the things they have done, they will be judged according to the finished work of Christ that they have received by grace through faith. All else will be judged and exposed based on what they have done. This is a sobering warning. It's a very strong warning. But as we've been reminded throughout this series, when there is a sobering, strong warning, that warning is issued as a gift of grace, and along with it, there is an offering of hope. 
And that's what we begin to see in verse 11 and 12 as Peter now points specifically back to the church, to the people of God. And says, here's how you are called to live in light of this reality of the day of the Lord. Here's how you are called to live today in light of that day. Look at what it says, 2 Peter 3, 11 and 12. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, all the things of the world that will be burned away, what sort of people ought you to be? That's what Peter's saying. What sort of people ought you, the church, to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt away as they burn. Church, this is so important. The word of God is reminding us here that there is a calling of God on the church of Jesus Christ as we look forward to the day of the Lord. We are called to live a life that stands out in the world around us. Listen, this is the call to the church that says the way we live matters. The way we interact with one another matters. The way we interact with the world around us, it matters. We are called to live a life of holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening the day of the Lord. Why? So that we can earn God's love? No. To prove we deserve God's love? No. The call to holiness and godliness is never about you proving you are worthy of God. The call to live a life of holiness and godliness is always about demonstrating the work that God has done in you through the good news of the gospel. And so we are called to highlight, if you will, to illuminate, if you will, the good news of the gospel through holiness and godliness, waiting and hastening the day of the Lord so that more can see and hear the good news that we in Christ have received. We don't go into the world with judgment. We go into the world with the light of Christ offering hope to those who are in the darkness. The way we live matters. Holiness and godliness, we all know this. In our culture, it stands out. And please don't misunderstand. Please don't misunderstand. We, we, we confuse this in religious conversations all the time. Holiness and godliness is not about your performance. That's self-righteousness. Holiness and godliness is about Jesus at work in us. So the only way to live a holy and godly life is in humility and in repentance. We're not the holiness police or the godliness police trying to point out the wrongs in everyone else. No. We're called to holiness and godliness not because we can do it, but because we have been invited to show that it is only by grace through faith that we are saved. 
the moment this drifts into performance or our works or our deeds, it drifts into self-righteousness and all of the focus is taken off Jesus. This is the call to let our life be a demonstration of what Christ has done for us. That's how we are to wait. By living a life of holiness and godliness that demonstrates to the world there is hope for the day of the Lord. There is hope of forgiveness and grace for all who are in Christ. That language, waiting and hastening in verse 12, it's very important language because it is language of activity. That we are to be actively living as if the day of the Lord is coming and striving to demonstrate the good news of the gospel until that day comes. We, we talk about this often here. This is our mission as a church at Shades Mountain. We, we are called to live sent. That is straight from the word of God. To be a people on mission, taking the good news of the gospel with us everywhere we go. That could be down the street. That could be across the neighborhood. That could be the other side of the city. That could be our office or our classroom. It could be the other side of the world. We are called to take the gospel with us everywhere we go. To live as a people who have been sent into the world with this testimony as a light shining in the darkness. We love this mission. We get excited about this mission. It's a privilege to be on this mission. And what we're seeing here in 2 Peter 3 reminds us, and this is amazing. This is amazing. The language is intentional. As we live the mission, please hear this. As we live the mission, we are actually involved in the timing that God is working with to bring about the day of the Lord. Waiting and hastening, living the mission, we are actively involved with the timing that God is using to bring about the day of the Lord. Here's why I say this. Matthew chapter 24, we've looked at Matthew 24 in this series. We're going to look at it one more time. I want to turn your attention to verse 14. This is one of the most important verses in all of the scripture for the church of Jesus Christ to understand the calling of God on the church until Christ returns. This is so significant. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. He's talking about what will take place before his return. He's preparing his disciples for the day of the Lord. And listen to what he says in Matthew 24, verse 14. And think about this in light of what we hear, waiting and hastening in 2 Peter 3. Jesus says this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's a strong statement. That's an important statement. That means Jesus is saying to the church, as you go live the mission, as you go live sent, as you go live a life that stands out in the world around you because of the gospel, because of what Christ has done, as you take this good news to the world and share it with more and more people, you are actively involved in the timeline that God is using 
for the day of the Lord to occur. This gospel will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. What a privilege to be involved in what God is doing through the good news of the gospel to prepare the world for the day of the Lord. Can you imagine anything greater than God saying to his church, hey, come be involved. Don't sit on the sidelines. Come be involved in the greatest gift that the world could ever hear, in the greatest good news that could ever be delivered. What a privilege to live this mission. What a privilege to carry this good news as a people who are sent. And then we see 2 Peter 3, verse 13, where we'll close today. This amazing promise of what is to come when the day of the Lord takes place. Church, this is the good news that we stand upon and cling to no matter what we're walking through, no matter how challenging our circumstance may become, no matter how difficult it may be to live as a follower of Jesus Christ in this culture. Here's the good news of the promise that we stand on. 2 Peter 3.13, but according to his promise... We, the church, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This is so beautiful. So often when we talk about heaven or we talk about eternity, we are so far off how great it's actually going to be. But here's what Peter's saying. As you live your life, you and I are aware every single day in our own story, in our own relationships, and in all the stories we hear around us, the world is not as it should be. There is pain, there is brokenness, there is shame, there is struggle, there is tribulation, there are challenges, there is frustration, there is anxiety, there is difficulty, there is loss, there is death. The world is not as it should be. Just look around. In your own story, you know there are relationships that are not as they should be. They're broken. And you can look at our culture and go, there are things that are not as they should be. It is broken. It is painful. And in that awareness, in that awareness, isn't there something in us that goes, man, wouldn't it be incredible if everything was as it should be, wouldn't it be amazing to consider this world without pain and brokenness, and sin and shame and struggle? Wouldn't it be incredible? And the word of God says, there is a promise. There is a promise for the people of God. When the day of the Lord occurs and an all-consuming fire burns the things of this world and all is exposed, when that day occurs, there is the promise that we are waiting for of the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. And all the things of this world that are broken and painful, they will all be gone. And a new day 
will be ushered in where righteousness dwells once and for all. The word of God is saying, church, there is coming a day at the day of the Lord when the sin of this world will be burned with fire. The brokenness of this world will melt away. Those who have rejected the good news of the gospel, they will be judged with fire. But all who are in Christ, here's the hope of the promise that we cling to. All who have called on the name of the Lord and been saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus, all in Christ will have this beautiful promise, this beautiful new reality of the new heavens and the new earth as everything is as it should be. This is the promise of God. We got to go to Revelation 21 to wrap this up because it only gets better. Turn with me to Revelation 21. Church, somebody better get excited. I'm working up a sweat today. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5. Listen to this good news, church. Listen to this good news for all who are in Christ. Then I saw a new heaven. And a new earth, there's that language, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Because that's where righteousness dwells. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Listen to this. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Praise God. Things will be as they should be. Yes, church, this is good, good news. And it doesn't end there. Because the scripture then says, he who was seated, seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. God always fulfills his promise. And God has said to his people, I will make all things new. And if you are in Christ, you will be invited to this beautiful new reality where righteousness dwells and all things are as they should be. What a day that will be. The question is, what will that day be like for you? There is a warning that the fire of judgment is coming. And there is the hope that for those who are in Christ, all things will be made new.
What will that day be like for you? If you are in Christ, you are prepared for that day. So live like it today. If you are in Christ, you have the good news that people need to hear to be ready for that day. So live like it today. And if you are here today and you know you're not prepared for that day, or you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, today can be the day that you become prepared for that day. Trust in Jesus. His promise is trustworthy and true. What a day it will be. As we reflect on this day that is coming, we remember a day that invites us to be prepared for that day. It was the day that Jesus Christ went to the cross to take the sins of the world on his back, to shed his blood so that you and I could be forgiven by grace through faith, so that you and I could be made new through the finished work of Christ, and so that you and I, through Jesus, could be ready that day. We go to the Lord's Supper and we remember with gratitude. We remember what Christ has done. This is an opportunity for all who are followers of Jesus to take these elements and remember the body and the blood of Christ given to us so that we could be forgiven of our sin and called children of God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I would say just There's no reason to contribute to the hypocrisy that's already in the church by doing something you don't believe. So don't just go through the motions here. But if you're a follower of Jesus, we we want to invite you to return to these elements, return to this table, and remember the gift that has been given to you that forgives your sin and prepares you for that day of the Lord when Christ returns. What a gift. Let me pray for us, and then we're just going to give you the opportunity all over the room to get up as you feel led and to go to one of the stations where the Lord's Supper elements are contained and just to grab that cup and the piece of bread that's with it, go back to your seat and just observe the Lord's Supper. You may want to do this as a family. You may want to do this with a few folks that are sitting around you, but just come and grab this when you are ready to do so after this prayer, and then go back to your seat and observe the elements and remember the gift of what Christ has done. And then I'll close us again in a word of prayer. After all who need to be served have been served. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the incredible gift of your word that shows us a very challenging and sobering warning and causes us to ask the question, are we ready for the day of the Lord? Father, in that question and in that warning, I am so grateful that your word does not leave us hanging. Your word has given us this beautiful, blessed hope through the gift of Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross that we now celebrate as we observe the Lord's Supper. So Lord, I pray that as we take these elements and remember the gift that we have been given, 
that it would be a, 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 a moment of worship, a moment of celebration, but Lord, that it would also be a moment of humility and repentance, acknowledging today how much we need you. Oh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for the cross. And Lord, for those among us or those joining online who have never received the gift of salvation through Christ in a personal way, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they would be prepared for the coming day of the Lord by saying, Jesus, I, I recognize I need you. I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in your word. I'm trusting in what you've done for me at the cross. Forgive my sin. I'm ready to follow you. We praise God for the gift of salvation that we get to celebrate as we return to the Lord's Supper and remember the cross of Christ. Bless this time. Show us what we need to see. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you feel led and as you are ready, you can get up from your seat and go to one of the tables. They're front to back all around the room. We've got them in the balcony. Get those elements and return to your seat. And observe those elements and remember the gift that Christ has given you.
If there's anyone that was not able to come forward due to any limitation at all and you would still like to be served the Lord's Supper elements, you just let us know at the end of the service. Just stay seated and we'll make sure someone comes around to serve you those elements. Let's have a word of prayer and let's thank God for the incredible gift of the cross of Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection that invites us to be made new, forgiven, and ready for the day of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, there are so many beautiful gifts that you have laid before us in this series and in this time of diving into your word. We praise you for loving us so much that you would issue a warning before us that says, be ready. Be ready. And Lord, we praise you for loving us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sin, to rise from the grave on the third day, defeating sin and death, so that by grace, through faith, we could be ready. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for what we celebrate at the Lord's Supper as we remember what Christ has done. May we live this day in light of this good news. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.